Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Good morning. Welcome today to Generations Church. I am so excited to have the opportunity to speak with you, to share with you this morning. I don't get the chance very often to to speak on Sundays. Um, I take the stage almost every Sunday in some capacity, um, but maybe six or seven times a year I actually get to to share on a Sunday, and I love to do it. Um, I think it's great when I get the chance because I, I really do just get so excited every chance that I get, but I also think that it's good for you to hear from different people. Um, every week I have four or five pastors that I that I allow to speak into my life by, by way of a podcast. Um, I listen to their sermon every week. And I think it's just so important and so healthy to hear from different people. I mean, obviously, Pastor Jeremy is my pastor, and he is the primary person that speaks into my life in that way. But I find other avenues and other venues to have other people also speak into my life, because every person takes things a little different out of out of Scripture and, and, and puts it a little different way and puts a little different twist on it and, and views it differently and all those things. And so I think it's great and exciting every chance I get to hear somebody different. So hopefully you're not disappointed that it's me and not Pastor Jeremy. Um, if you are, I'm sorry you're stuck with me for the next 28 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, and then next week, Pastor Jeremy will be back. So come back, hear him. But I really am um, super honored to speak today. I always love the opportunity. I never take it for granted when they allow me to share this platform Um, So thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for allowing me to do so today. But we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Thanks Living, not Thanksgiving. Don't get confused. That's coming in just a few weeks. I love Thanksgiving. Um, It might be my favorite holiday just because of the food. I started yesterday on my pre-Thanksgiving workout regimen just so that I can get down a couple pounds so that everything still fits post-Thanksgiving is really what I try to to work towards. But today we're going to kick this off. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of things living. And, you know, when obviously when we schedule out all of the sermon calendar, we talk about things as a staff and we really kind of lay out the sermon calendar. And when Pastor Jeremy said, hey, I want to do a three-week series leading up to Thanksgiving about things living, I was like, that's going to get pretty boring by week three. Um, I kind of thought that to myself because I'm like, you know, how are we going to talk about just being thankful for three straight weeks? And then we got to all sit around the Thanksgiving table and say what we're thankful for to our family. I'm like, I'm going to be pretty tired of being thankful. And so as we really kind of dug into the meat of this series, though, it really is going to be an awesome three-week series as we look at the idea of Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving in three really unique ways. And so today, I'm excited to kick that off with you. You know, when I was graduating high school, I did something that many people did. I had a graduation party. And at this graduation party, there's kind of two different groups of people that come. There's my friends that I invite, that if I invite them, I'm now required and mandated to also attend their graduation party. And then there's all the people that your parents invite that are your parents' friends that you don't really know those people, but you want them to come because they're the people with the cash. And so you invite all these people to come. You have this graduation party. You eat the cake. You take all the pictures with the hat on and the the gown on, and you, you get sick and tired of that. But you're pumped because you get to hang out with your friends a little bit. But then you get to open all these cards with checks and gift cards and money and all the really, really, really exciting things that you get when you have this party. 
Now, what I didn't know, because up until this point in your life, you have birthday parties as a kid, and sometimes even as a teenager, you'll have some friends over, you'll have a 16th birthday party with some buddies, you'll do all that kind of stuff. And sometimes, you know, when you get older, you stop getting as many gifts and presents. But when you're kids, you get all these things when you have a party. But something changes when you have a graduation party, and I didn't know this, or I may have even just canceled my party entirely. But after the party, my mom walked up and handed me this stack of envelopes and says, hey, everybody who gave you a card, you now have to send a thank you letter to. And I was like, why? Like, I've already got the present from them. Like, what are they going to do? Like, call me and say, hey, you didn't send me a thank you card. I need my gift card back. Like, I don't think that they're going to do that. And so I sat there and I had this pile of cards and I was like, this is dumb. Like, I don't want to write all these cards to all these people. And it's like, dear grandma, thanks for the check, Trevor. Like, right, like, and so I did that. And then I put that card and I stick it in the envelope and I put the address on everything. And then it's like, dear person I met at my graduation party, because you're my mom's friend, thanks for the money. And so you kind of go through this and you're kind of required to send these gift cards or these checks, or not these checks, these thank you cards to all of these different people because they gave you those things. When Lauren and I got married, we had wedding showers and then people came to the wedding and you go and you get married and then you get all these gifts and then you go on this honeymoon and you get back from the honeymoon and you're trying to figure out now how to do life with this person and you're moving all the stuff in and you're trying to figure out whose toothbrush is going to go wet where and what side of the bed who's going to sleep on. You're trying to figure all that out. But then there comes this day pretty early on where you have to spend all day long on a Saturday, again, writing thank you cards to people who came to your wedding that brought you something. And really what I thought about is I should write them a thank you card or they should write me a thank you card rather because they're the ones who actually got to eat at my wedding because I never got to even eat anything. And as I'm sitting there and I'm writing a letter to some friends of mine that at that point in time I saw frequently and they brought me my like $19 toaster, I'm like, I'm pretty sure for their family of four, I spent more on food for them to eat than they did on my $19 toaster, yet I'm the one writing the card. They should be thanking me for the free meal. I don't like to write thank you cards, but over the next little bit, I want to really talk to you about this idea of living out the outward expression of showing gratitude. You know, ultimately within every one of us, there's this internal process that takes place when we are thankful. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the idea of being grateful for God and what he does. But today I really want to focus in and hone in on this idea of how do we outwardly express the internal thanks that we have on the inside? How do we really live out thanks living? And so we're going to spend the majority of our time or all of our time in scripture today in Luke chapter 17. So I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to turn there if you're in your Bible on your smartphone. If you use your phone to use the Bible, I encourage you to use the YouVersion Bible app. It's what I use for all my personal devotion time. It's fantastic. You can create an account and it'll store all of your highlights. It'll store all of your notes. And so it's really cool as I've kind of built this, this library of highlights and notes for myself that if I have someone that preaches a message, it may already be highlighted and I can look and someone had preached a message about this a couple years ago. And so it's a really cool um, resource. If you watch our live stream service through our website, g.church, you can also connect your version app to the live stream and do all of it right there. And so it's a great app. But Luke chapter 17, 
verses 19 or 11 through 19 tell an incredible story where there's 10 guys that have leprosy and Jesus heals them. And we're going to kind of dissect this story together today and walk through really three ways to living out this idea of things living. The first thing that I want to look at in this story of those three is that the lepers walked away from the healer without being healed. Look at this in verses 11 through 14. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. The first historical social distancing took place right here. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When, we, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. When I study scripture, I oftentimes like to put myself into the story and really try to envision what would be going on around me. What would I be thinking about? What would I be doing? And when I do this in this story, I put myself in as one of the lepers. And I'm standing there and I'm outside of the city and I have leprosy and I see Jesus who I have known to hear these incredible stories of him healing people and doing amazing things. And this is the guy that spit in some mud and wiped it on some blind eyes guys and they could see. And he stood outside of a tomb and he called out to Lazarus to come forth and he was healed and he raised him from the dead. He, he had a woman touch the bottom of his robe and, and she was instantly healed and all of these incredible things that Jesus did. And I'm standing here and I have leprosy and I see him from a distance. And I cry out to him, Jesus, would you please touch me? Would you heal us? The last thing I'm expecting Jesus to say is, sounds great, fellas, go walk and talk to the priest. What am I supposed to do with that? Like Jesus is like, just go to the priest. And when I think about this and I think about myself, I would have probably, if I can be honest with you, I would have probably pushed back a little bit. I'd have been like, but don't you need to actually heal me first? Like, I don't need to go see the priest because I still have leprosy, Jesus. But these guys go and they walk and they turn to head to the priest. And I think for every one of us, it's important for us to see in this story that they were willing to walk away from the healer without yet being healed. My wife and I, we announced recently that we're expecting our first child um, my wife is the cute pregnant one over here that's 21 weeks old or 21 weeks pregnant. You're not 21 weeks old. The baby's 21 weeks old as of today. And so we're 19 weeks away from having our first kid and we're super excited. But we walked about a two and a half to three year infertility journey um, to get to the point that we're at today. And so through that process, God taught us so many things. But when we finally came to the day where we went to the doctor for them to do the implant process. They, they did the implant, and then they're like, okay, go ahead and just leave, and you'll come back in 10 days. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, of all of the incredible science and all of the incredible technology, you can't actually tell us if we're going to be pregnant for 10 whole days? And so we went, and we spent the next 10 days, which were the longest days of our entire life, pretty much just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Like, we didn't know what to do. Like, our minds were going crazy. Like, did it work? Did it not work? Like, we put all this money into it. We put all this prayer into it. We've invested all this time and shots and all the other chaos that goes along with it. And we just have no idea at this point. So finally, the Monday morning came, and we had an 8 a.m. appointment to go down to find out if we were pregnant. We were so excited. We went, we drove, we went down there. I wasn't able to go inside. And so Lauren went to the doctor. We prayed before she got out of the car. 
she went to go into the doctor and I'm sitting in the car and my heart is like beating out of my chest and I'm just anxious and I can't wait. She's gonna like FaceTime me so I can be there with her when we get the results. And about five minutes later, she calls me and she's like, hey, I'm on my way out. And my heart just kind of sunk a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, it didn't work. Like she's not pregnant. This is awful. This is the worst thing that it could have ever happened. She's like, all they did was take blood and said they'll call me in seven hours. I was like, are you serious? Like, as smart as these doctors are, there's not a better plan in place than that. just come in, draw blood, and we'll call you later. And so what felt like forever for 10 days, these seven hours felt like an eternity as we sat. And like every time her phone would ring or something, we'd be like, stop calling us. We just got to find out from the doctor. We were so nervous. And so the doctor finally called And the doctor told us, and the doctor already sounded excited on the phone, and we're like, oh, that's a good sign. And so the doctor said, congratulations, you are pregnant. And Lauren and I, we we cried, and we hugged, and we were so excited. But the first thing we did is we prayed, and we thanked God for what he had done. But through all of that IVF journey, God taught me so many things. But I think one of the ones that stood out the most is that I have to be able to walk away without always having the answer that I want. I think when I look at this story and I look at the, 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 the guys who had leprosy, like they turned and walked away from the healer. Like Jesus himself said, go, and they turned and they just by faith walked away. And I think for all of us, as we really get into over the next couple of minutes, this idea of acting out in things living, I think one of the most important things that we all have to recognize about ourselves is that we have to be able to have patience and we have to be able to just trust in God and just follow the process. Follow the process that God puts before us. Like whatever doctor's appointments you have to walk into, you may not get that phone call for 72 hours, but just trust that God was with you when you walked in and he's still with you when you walk out. When you have that meeting with your boss and you don't know how it's going to go and he says, hey, we'll reevaluate things next week, like trust that when you walked in, God walked in with you, but he's still walking with you when you walk out. There are moments that you have to be willing to walk in faith without necessarily getting the results of the answers. The question that I have for all of us today to just kind of process within ourselves is do you have the faith to walk away from your miracle without it yet? You have the faith to walk away from your miracle without it yet. The second thing that we can learn through this story about thanks living is only one went back to thank Jesus. If we look at the story in verse 15 through 18, it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has only one returned to give praise to God? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Only one went back to Jesus. Jesus healed 10. Nine guys never returned to give thanks to God. And this is one of those moments in scripture where I feel like sarcastic Jesus kind of comes out a little bit. Like I think there's a couple of different places that when I read stories, I'm like, Jesus was being pretty sarcastic right there. And I think that he's okay with that because I think ultimately right here, he knew that 10 guys had been healed. Yet he asked the question anyway, did I not heal 10 guys? Like, I don't think this was a moment where Jesus went, oh no, did I not pray the right prayer? Like, did it not work the way it was supposed to work? Like, I'm pretty sure that he in confidence sent 10 guys away to know that all 10 guys were gonna get healed. It wasn't like, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't pray right. God, like now can you please heal the other nine? Like, they're gonna be mad at me. It wasn't that type of situation. And so Jesus sends these 10 guys away, one returns, and Jesus is like, where's the other guys? 
Why didn't they all come back? And the one guy probably kind of looked up to Jesus like, I'm not really sure. And if, if, again, I put myself into that story and I'm one of the 10 and I'm walking to go to the priest because in that time, the reason that Jesus had sent them to the priest is because the priest was the only one that could give them the clearance that they were actually clean. And so when you got leprosy in that time, if you were living within the city, they would actually kick you out of the city and you had to go and you had to become homeless and you'd live in these little communities, these communes outside of the city walls that were filled with just basically people with leprosy and no one would come near you. And if anybody came near you, you had to yell out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean to warn anybody to not get within six, 10, whatever feet of them. And so this is how they lived their lives. And Jesus was sending them to the priest because the priest was the one who would be able to give them the clearance to say, hey, you don't have leprosy anymore. You can go back to living your life as normal. You can go and you can go to the market and you can go and you can go see your family and hug your wife and kiss your kids and and do all the things and you can go back to normal. And so it's so important that they first go to the priest. But I think about this moment when they're on this road and they all finally recognize like, oh my gosh, it actually worked. We're all healed. Nine guys, their first thought is I've got to get to the priest because then I can go and I can get on with my life. I think for a lot of us, oftentimes we respond that way. I know I do. I get busy. I, oh, I got to go do this. And I, oh, I got to go see this person. I got to go have that conversation. And this is going on and that's going on. And I got that meeting and I've got that appointment. And I can get so busy and so focused that I can sometimes miss that God's done an incredible thing in my life. And he'll do this awesome thing. And I'm like, great, now I can go here. And there was one guy out of the 10, just one, that stopped on the road and said, I can't wait to go to the priest and get cleared. I can't wait to go to the markets. I can't wait to go see my friends and my family. But before I do any of that, I've got the rest of my life to do that. I'm going to stop and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back and I'm going to fall at the feet of Jesus and just say, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this miracle that you've worked in my life. Nine guys kept going and I got to imagine that there had to have been some type of interaction between them. That as the one guy turns around, the other guys are like, where are you going? Like, you can't go anywhere. You got to go to the priest first. And he's like, before I do that, I've got to go see Jesus. I've got to go see Jesus. And I think for all of us, I know I've been super challenged and convicted this week as I've looked at this, of how often am I the one? How often am I the one that's willing to stop everything else and pause everything else in life and just focus on making sure I give the proper things to the proper place, that I go back to God and I say, God, thank you. And Lauren, I finally got that call We hugged, we cried, we laughed, we celebrated. But the very first thing we did when we got off the phone was we prayed. God, thank you for this miracle that you've done. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, this was something that we've prayed for for three years now, and you're finally having it happen. God, thank you for who you are. Only one went back to Jesus. And my prayer for all of us today is that we would all be like the one, that we would all be the one person that's willing to turn back, to pause everything else in life and go back and give thanks. The third thing that we can learn from this story is a question that I want to propose to all of us is, do you want to be healed or do you want to be made whole? So we know Jesus healed all 10. Guys, look at this 
in verse 19. Jesus talking to the man that's now at his feet, that's worshiping him. He's told him to get up. He says, then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And I absolutely love the way that the King James puts it. Right here in verse 19, in King James Version, it says, And he said unto him, Jesus talking to the man that had been healed, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Rise and go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. You see, there were 10 guys that got healed that day. Every single one of them on the outside of their bodies had the exact same result happen. They had leprosy, and now they no longer have leprosy. Jesus did the same miracle to all of them, and it's incredible for every single one of them. But there was only one guy that something changed on the inside. There was only one guy that didn't just get healed. There was one guy that got made whole, that something on the inside of him changed because of the position he had positioned himself in to say, God, thank you. If I can be really honest with you for a minute, I am the king of understood appreciation. Let me explain what, you mean, what I mean by that. Understood appreciation in my mind, I don't know if this is a real term or not. I kind of just made it up. It may become something. I have no idea. Understood appreciation. I do not need, I do not want, I do not desire words of affirmation. If you've ever done like a love language test or anything like that, words of affirmation for me is the very bottom I like them. Like, who doesn't like to hear nice things said to them? But I don't need them. Some people need them, and that's okay. Everybody's love language. I need different things that other people don't need. And so for me, love language, words of affirmation are the lowest. And so what that usually means is whatever you desire for your love language is usually what you, what you also project. And so for me, I don't need words of affirmation. So I'm not very good at giving them. And as I've prepared this week for this message, and as I've really thought about and I've really prayed about, God, what do you want me to say? I've been more convicted this week with this message than many messages. And usually I'm convicted. I usually talk about things God's trying to teach me. But as I've prepared this week, I've really been convicted with this idea that I do a lot of understood appreciation to people. Well, I know they know I'm thankful for them. Well, I know God knows I'm thankful for what he's done for me. Well, I know this person knows that I'm thankful for this. And as I've prepared this week, I've positioned myself to to recognize that I'm more like one of the nine than I am like one of the one. That the reality is, is all 10 guys were thankful for what Jesus did. Like, you can't tell me that one of those nine guys or one of the ten, like, that none of them were like, yeah, I'm not thankful for what he did. They were all thankful, but only one actually expressed it. And I think when I look at my life, there's a lot of moments of my life that I, I go, I didn't express my gratitude. I didn't actually let that person know that I was thankful for them. I didn't actually tell God, God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. I've just kind of thought to myself, well, he knows. He's God. He knows. Well, like my wife, she knows I'm thankful for. My friends, they know. Like they know I'm thankful for them. Like that's what friends are. Like they're thankful for each other. Let me just pause for a minute because I've got the microphone and you don't. And I don't think the media guys are going to mute me. And so I'm just going to take a moment really quick. G Church volunteers, our G team, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to every person that volunteers at our church. I don't say it often enough, but I love you and I'm truly thankful for you. 
every single Sunday, and I say literally here, and I mean literally, not figuratively. And so we literally couldn't do what we do without you. Right now, there are guys in that media booth back there that are turning these lights on and putting lyrics and words up here and scriptures up here, and they're making my microphone work right now. And if they didn't do any of those things, service would have been really awkward today. Like, we could have done it. We've done it before. We laughed this Sunday about a Sunday when we were portable at a high school that no power worked, and we figured out how to do service without any power. Like, we can do it, but it'd be a little awkward. Right now, there are guys sitting in a room on the other side of this wall that many of you didn't even know that room existed. And there's four guys in there right now, and they're running the cameras that are on that, that pole right there, and they're little robot cameras, and they can move them around. They're running those right now. And they're running a switcher that's switching between camera shots and, and throwing different things up on the screens. And they're running an entirely different soundboard for everybody to run sound for just the people that are watching online. And we couldn't do that without those volunteers. There are volunteers that set up the parking lot and help people at information centers. There are people upstairs right now that are taking care of your kids and they're teaching your children about Jesus right now. And you know what's true about every one of them? None of them are getting paid. They're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're using their talents and their giftings and their abilities to serve God and to serve a bigger purpose than themselves. And so I don't say it enough, and I just want to say to every volunteer that is in this service, every G team member that's in this service, everybody that's going to watch this or listen to this, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I love you, and I'm really, really, really grateful for what you do, and I don't tell you that enough. All right, I digress. In my life, there are often times that I cannot express gratitude outwardly. I don't need it. I don't love it myself. And so I'm, I'm not good at it. On your card, everybody, everybody on their seat had a, had a thank you card. If you'd grab that right now, just spoiler alert, I didn't write you a thank you card. It's blank. And I want you to be like, oh, he wrote me a thank you card. That's so kind. I did not. You heard earlier, I don't love writing them. <laughs> but I want you, everybody to hold that. It just says thank you on the front. And on the inside, it's completely blank. And here's my challenge to you. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it's this evening. Maybe it's sometime this week. But sometime between now and the midnight of the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I want you to write a thank you card to somebody. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor who pulls your trash can in for you. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's someone that's your accountability partner. I don't know who it is. But I want you to write a thank you card to somebody because I think what we're missing so much of in our culture is this outward expression of thankfulness. We know, we all know, hey, I'm thankful for you. We know that it's true, but we never go back and say it. I want us to all be the one. I want us to not just get the outward healing. I want us to be made whole. And so you got that card. I want you to take that. And I want you at some point over the next two and a half, three weeks before Thanksgiving to write somebody a thank you card. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I am so thankful for you for this. And be specific. Maybe for you, the best thing you could do with that card and the best purpose for that card is you write a thank you letter to God. You may say, whoa, that sounds really awkward. And maybe it would be. But maybe for you, the best thing you could do is just say, dear God, and write out what you're thankful for. Maybe for you, you need a couple of cards and maybe for you, you'd only fill up a half of a page. 
And that's okay. God loves both of them the same. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to develop a new line of communication between you and God where you begin to write. I struggle sometimes praying out loud or praying in my head because I'll get kind of ADD. And so I'll be in the middle of my prayer and then I'll be talking to myself out loud about the weather or the grass or whatever it is. And I'm like, no, focus. Like I'm praying right now. And I've actually developed that I'm really good at talking and communicating to God by like typing out letters. And so sometimes on my computer, I'll just pull up a pages document and I'll just write something to God. But I I encourage everyone, myself included, to spend the next three weeks and be really, really intentional leading up to Thanksgiving about outwardly expressing the gratitude that we feel in our hearts. We all know that our family's thankful for us, but when was the last time you told them? When was the last time you told somebody, hey, I'm really thankful for you? When was the last time you told your boss, hey, I'm really, you like frustrate me and sometimes you can be a pain to work for. I'm not talking about my boss at all. But sometimes like, but I'm thankful for you. When was the last time you told your kids, hey, you never clean up and you never do what you're supposed to do, but I just want you to know, you grab them by the face and you look them in the eye and say, I love you and I am thankful that God chose me to be your parent. When was the last time you called your mom or your dad and you said, I know we fight more now that I'm an adult than we ever did when I was a kid, but I want you to know I'm thankful for you. I think sometimes we forget that really important step that this entire story is teaching us of be the one that turns around and goes back and actually says what they're feeling on the inside and let somebody know that you're thankful for them. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. First and foremost, I want to offer the opportunity, if you've never entered into a relationship, for today to be that day. There is no better chance and no better opportunity than right now. And so all you have to do is just say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior and I want you to come and be the Lord and savior in my life and thank him for sending his son to die on a cross for your sins. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.